Amen. If you have your Bible this morning, I invite you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 17. So good to see you and to see those who have been able to come out and worship with us uh, right here on our campus in our sanctuary. But we're mindful as well that so many are unable to come and there's so many worshiping uh, with us at home. And so let us who are here not forget those uh, that are still a part of our family and a part of our church. We welcome everyone who is worshiping with us today. I do, as uh, Melanie said a moment ago, I want to focus on the subject of prayer. I'm very excited about this uh, Old Testament account, this historical account, and, and just what it says about prayer and how I think it will challenge us and encourage us today. Much of what you and I know about prayer is wrong. Uh, now, I know that's a bold statement and perhaps a little bit condescending. I don't mean that to be the case. And, and I know that most of you, most of us, uh, think that uh, certainly we're an exception to that. The things I know about prayer have, have got to be the right things. Uh, but I think the truth is much of what we think we know, much of what we claim to know about prayer just just doesn't exactly line up with, with, the, with what the Bible teaches us. And, 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 when, and when we see prayer in the Bible, it oftentimes just doesn't look like the prayer that we see in our, in our own lives. I was uh, reading a book, it's been a few years ago now, and I tried to find it this week in my study, and I, I don't remember which book it it was, and, and so I couldn't locate it, but, but I was reading a book, and, and I don't remember if the book was about prayer or the book was about the Apostle Paul, but at, at one point in the book, the author pulled together all of the prayers that the Apostle Paul had prayed that are recorded in Scripture. And, and first of all, I was surprised that there were so many. Uh, he just listed the text of all of the prayers, and it went on for several pages. But then I just read that. I just read all the prayers of the Apostle Paul, and what was striking to me is that Paul's prayers don't sound anything like my prayers, and my prayers don't sound anything like Paul's prayers. So I think in some ways... The way we have embraced prayer, the way we have chased after prayer, we just need to focus on Scripture. We need to learn from Scripture, and, and you've heard this a thousand times, Scripture gives us the path, and Scripture tells us the way of prayer. So today, I want us to focus on this historical account, and, and, and I want us to see five surprising things about prayer uh, right here in this uh, in this scripture passage. So let's just begin reading in Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. Bible says, At Rephidim, uh, Amalek or Amalek came and fought against Israel. And Moses said to Joshua, Select some men for us and go fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the hilltop with God's staff in my hand. Now this is a story of something that happens in the life of Moses. Uh, Moses, as, as you know, was one of the greatest leaders uh, that, that there has ever been and one of the greatest heroes in the Old Testament. 
Uh, Moses uh, was able to lead a nation of about two million people uh, out of slavery uh, with Egypt. He was able to stand toe-to-toe with Pharaoh, the, the strongest leader in the world at the time. He was able to lead people from slavery through the Red Sea and toward the Promised Land. Moses was a, was a great leader. And so we come to this time in Moses' life and we see one of so many challenges that Moses faced. And we're going to see how he approached this. Uh, I, I w- was in a bookstore so- some time ago and ran across a, a leadership book uh, that was focused on Moses. It wasn't a religious book. It wasn't a, a Christian book necessarily. It was just, it was in the business section. It was in the self-help section. And And so it's just a book about leadership lessons from the life of Moses. And I thought, well, that would be a very interesting book to read. And I I, I flipped through it a little bit and I looked at the back cover and it said Moses was a great uh, spiritual man and and a great religious hero, Old Testament hero. And we can learn several important leadership lessons. And so I wanted to read the book, but I felt like, you know, perhaps instead of reading the book, I ought to just read the life of Moses. You know, I'm a Bible teacher. Certainly, I, surely, I could, I could read through the life of Moses and I can identify the leadership lesson. So I decided instead of buying the book, I would just go home and begin to do a study of the life of Moses and look for these leadership principles. And, and, and there were some I, I just really expected to find. I thought, well, Moses uh, is a man of courage. Maybe the reason he was so successful in his endeavors is because of his courage. Moses was a man of faith. Maybe the reason... He, he, he exceeded was because of his faith. Moses was a man who delegated well. The Bible talks about that. Moses, Moses was a lot of things. And I thought, you know, perhaps I will read and study the story of Moses and those will be the things that will stand out. And, and perhaps I could be more successful. I could be a greater leader if I'll just emulate those things. And so I studied the life of Moses and I was surprised. The secret to Moses' success If you just read his story from beginning to end, the the clear secret to his success was not his courage, though he was courageous at times. It was not his faith, although he had great faith at times. It was not his delegation. It wasn't uh, the people he pulled in around him. The, The key to Moses' success was that he prayed. One of the things that will just stand out to you in Moses' life is that over and over and over, every time there's an important turn, you find Moses praying. In fact, if you were to write down, and I did this, the the dozen things, turns out to be about 12 things that, that Moses did that are extraordinary. If you look at those 12 things and you search for them in Scripture, 10 of the 12 really were just the result of a prayer that he prayed. Moses was a great leader because Moses was a prayer, a prayer. And so here we see that Moses is is leading the nation and they've come up against an enemy, uh, the Amalekites. Uh, The Amalekites had the, you know, the ability to, uh, to kill many of the Israelites and perhaps to prevail in battle. And so this was a very serious time. And so we see that Moses and, and his first Lieutenant Joshua are preparing for battle And Moses says, Joshua, you prepare for battle. I'm going to go up on the mountaintop. So that seems odd. Let's let's continue to read. Verse 10 says, Joshua did as Moses had told him and fought against Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. 
while Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. But whenever he put down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Now here, Moses lifting up his hands is a picture of Moses praying. Moses would pray. And when he prayed, it said that the Israelites, their army, uh, they were victorious over the Amalekites. They were winning the battle. But when he would cease to pray, when he would lower his hands, then the Amalekites would begin to win the battle. Verse 12, when Moses' hands grew heavy, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat down on it. Then Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until the sun went down. So Moses grew weary in his praying. And so these two men that were with him, they support him, they hold him up. This is a picture of those men coming alongside of Moses and praying with him and for him and, and strengthening him in his prayer. Verse 13, so Joshua defeated Amalek and his army with the sword. Joshua was successful. Joshua and the army successful in the battle. Why? Because God responded to the prayers of Moses. Look at verse 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this down on a scroll as a reminder and recite it to Joshua. Uh, the Lord said, write it down what just happened. This is important. And tell Joshua, tell Joshua. He knows what happened on the battlefield, but Joshua needs to know what happened on the mountaintop. So tell Joshua, I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek under heaven. And Moses built an altar and named it, the Lord is my banner. Jehovah Nisi, uh, maybe a word, a Hebrew word you've heard before. The Lord is my banner. Moses builds this altar as, as a reminder that when, when he prayed, God gave victory uh, to the people. I, I want you to see five surprising lessons. As we said a moment ago, five surprising lessons about prayer uh, just from this uh, historical account. Number one, God responds to prayer. God responds when his people pray, God responds. Now, you, you might ask, why is that surprising, Pastor? We, we know God responds. We knew God responds. Why do you say that's the first surprising thing about prayer? Well, I think it's surprising for a couple of reasons. First of all, while we say that we believe God responds to prayer, more often, our actions, our commitments, the way that we handle a problem betrays our hearts and says that we don't really believe that God responds in prayer. I mean, I can say it. If you were to ask me, if I were to ask you, raise your hand if you believe God responds in prayer, everybody would raise their hand. You would raise your hand. People at home would raise their hands. Of course, we're Christians. We're Bible people. We believe that God responds in prayer. But if you look at how you and I handle real problems, what, what does that say about our belief in prayer? When we have an obstacle, when we have a difficulty, I, I ran into a little obstacle this morning, just what anything... Uh, you know, too, too severe, but, but something I struggled with this morning and something that was difficult for me. And I, I, uh, I, I'll just be honest with you. I was about to preach on prayer and I did about everything to overcome the obstacle except for prayer. And then I started reading back through the beginning of my message and the Lord said, listen, just pray, just pray. You think about the last time you had a problem, you had some difficulty, big or small. What was the first thing you did? It likely wasn't prayer. 
Why? Because though we, we know it intellectually and we believe in the Bible, there's something in us that just is surprised by the fact that God responds to prayer. Too often prayer is our last resort. Now, the other reason why, to me, it's a surprising thing that God responds to prayer is, is this. Why would the, would the all-powerful, uh, sovereign creator of the universe care about my prayers, my pleas, my problems, my concerns? I mean, to me, it just doesn't make sense. God is so great and so noble, and, and, and there's so many things that are under his uh, responsibilities. In fact, everything is under him. And so who am I? Just this, this one lone person that lives for just a few years in, in, in an obscure place, in an obscure part of history. Why would God con be concerned with, with what I ask, with what I pray? It is surprising to me. It is shocking to me that God hears my request, but he does. It's the testimony of scripture from beginning to end that God cares for us and listens to our prayer. Let me share with you, you know, in addition to what we read here in Exodus 17, some other examples, Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, listen to this. Don't be afraid, Daniel, uh, the Lord said to him, for from the first day that you purposed to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your prayers were heard. I have come because of your prayers. Why did this uh, in, in, angelic messenger come? He says, I have come because you have prayed. God responds to the prayers of his people. James 4, 2, you desire and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because of what? You do not ask. He says clearly that God responds to the prayers of his people and sometimes there are things that we need. Sometimes there are problems that, we, that we've just been frustrated with. And he says the reason you're frustrated, the reason it hasn't changed is because you haven't prayed. Psalm 118.5, I called to the Lord in distress. He answered me and put me in a spacious place, in a place where there's, where there's plenty of room. I was distressed. I called upon the Lord, David said. And God responded to his prayer. God responds to prayer. Uh, we shouldn't be surprised about that, but we are surprised. Let's hold on to that truth. Now, a couple of things we just need to be mindful of as we, as we embrace that. God responds to our prayer. First of all, we, we should remember that that prayer is as much about communing with God as it is making requests of God. And we may talk about this uh, next week. I, I, I'm thinking about sort of doing a part two to this and, and looking at the other side of prayer. But, but just know that much of prayer is asking God for something. But there is another very significant part of prayer that's more about communing with God. And the more we learn to pray, the more that second part will become important. Uh, the other thing we should know, we should be mindful of when we say God responds to prayer is that God answers prayer according to his purposes. And so the Bible teaches us that God has a purpose, a big purpose for the whole creation. And, and then God has a purpose just for me. God's purpose for the whole creation is that he would be honored, that he would be honored by every person, that, that he would be honored by everyone who draws the breath, that God would be honored. And so he's going to answer according to that purpose. And then God has a purpose for me that I might be used to bring honor to God. And God's going to answer prayers with, with that purpose according, 
to, to that purpose. Uh, I think about what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 11, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And so God does respond to our prayers, but he responds to our prayers the way that a good father will respond to the pleas of his children. If you're a parent, you, you've experienced this. Sometimes your kids ask for things that it just wouldn't be good for you to give to them. And, and, and maybe you have the ability to do it. You can answer their prayer. You might be able to answer their prayer in exactly, or their request, I should say, in exactly the way they have requested it. But you choose not to because you love them. And you know that they don't always need to be satisfied. Sometimes they need something different than what they ask. And so God loves us enough to treat us the same way, but let nothing take away from the truth that God responds to prayer. The Amalekites would have won the battle had Moses not prayed. Israelites, Joshua won the battle because Moses prayed. Now the second surprising thing about prayer is that sometimes we need to quit working and just pray. When I read this account, the, well, the first thing that came to my mind is, is if I were just honest, I would have to say that had I been in Moses' position, I think I would have handled things very differently than him. Well, you've got to understand that the fight against the Amalekites, they could have lost that battle. They could have lost their lives. Uh, the, the whole nation of Israel could ultimately have been wiped out by the Amalekites and all that's happened, you know, freeing them from Pharaoh and, and uh, bringing them through the Red Sea and all the miracles and everything could be for naught if the Amalekites are victorious. And so I think if I, were, if I would have been head of Israel, I would have honored God in prayer. I would have called everybody together or at least the officers together and we'd have had a quick little prayer. But then I would have said, okay, everybody get their sword and let's go fight. I, I don't think I would have pulled three able-bodied men out of the battle and told them just to go pray. I would say we need every man in the battle and every sword in the battle. But that's not what Moses did. Moses understood that sometimes, sometimes, we need to quit working and just pray. Sometimes we need to recognize that we're not gonna be effective because of our hard work. We're not gonna be effective because of our industry. We're not gonna be effective because of our productivity. Sometimes the key to success is just gonna be prayer. Now I struggle with this almost every day of my life and you, you probably do as well. In the mornings, most mornings I have a, a devotion time with the Lord. I read a little bit in my in my Bible, I've got a little plan that I go through and, and then I spend some time praying. I, I, uh, I journal, I write out or sort of type out my prayers most days just to keep me focused. And, and so I'm doing that in the morning and I love my time with the Lord. I love that time. I don't want to miss that time. Can I just be honest with you for a minute? When I'm doing that so often, my mind begins to wonder and focus on all the things I need to do today. I begin to think about 
what's on my task list. I, I begin to think about who I need to call or what I need to do or some message I need to prepare for. And, and, and so while I'm enjoying my time with the Lord, I'm feeling this pressure to shorten it, to, to not spend too much time because I need to get to work. There are things that have got to be done. And, and, and so I've got this pressure with, the, with, with, with productivity pushing against my my prayer time, it's a, it's a struggle every day. And, and so my analytical mind will say, well, you need to keep this short and sweet and you need to cover the, the most important basis and you need to stop and you need to get to work. But, but my spiritual mind reminds me of the truth that we see right here in Exodus 17. Sometimes it's more important to pray than to work. Now, this isn't an excuse for laziness. As we're going to see in just a moment, prayer really is the harder of the tasks. In fact, in this, in this account, we see that Moses, the one who's praying, gets tired. We don't see any reference to Joshua, the one who was fighting. We don't see any reference to him being tired. Now, I'm sure that there was a fatigue involved in, in fighting, uh, but, but that is sort of an adrenaline-fueled fatigue. I mean, you give me a list of tasks to do. I may get tired doing those tasks, but I so love marking things off my list. I can just keep on keeping on. The harder thing often is, is just to pray and to not stop praying. So this isn't an excuse for laziness, but it's a reminder that, that success is, is often not a product of our industry. It's a product of our, of our prayer. I think, of, I think of the story in Mark chapter 9. And we won't take the time to read it, but, but this is something you might go home and, and, and just read on your own. Uh, Jesus has separated for, for a time from his disciples. For most of his disciples, he, it's the time of the transfiguration, if you know that, that gospel story. And so the rest of the disciples are just waiting. And so a father brings his sick son uh, for healing. His son was possessed by a demon. And so he was looking for Jesus, but Jesus was unavailable. And so he said to the disciples, is there anything you can do? And the disciples said, oh yeah, we can do this. We've seen it done a hundred times. We can, we can fix the problem. We can cast out the demon. And so they do whatever they do and they failed. They failed. It didn't work. And so they're frustrated. The father is frustrated. The, the boy is still sick and possessed. And, and then Jesus shows up. He's, he, he always shows up, right? So, so Jesus shows up and, and he sees the situation and father says, listen, I brought my son and they hadn't been able to do anything. And the disciples probably said, uh, well, we, you know, we tried our best, Jesus. We did everything. We got out the manual and, you know, we went through the steps two or three times and we don't know what the problem is. And so Jesus just took care of it. And he, he, he cast out the demon, no, no problem, no sweat. And the father and the son, they go on their way. And then the disciples say, Jesus, why weren't we able to do that? And it's his reply, short but powerful. Jesus said, some things only come out by prayer. Jesus said that it wasn't their poor technique. It, it wasn't their lack of passion. It wasn't that they had a problem in their commitment. Jesus said, no, your problem is you don't pray. And you know, I think for a lot of us, the problem is not that we are, we're not skillful enough. The problem is often that, not that we're not hardworking. The problem is, is often not that we don't have the right commitment or the right, right technique. 
The problem is that we don't pray, that we don't pray. That's the key. That's the key to victory. Listen to Zechariah 4, 6. He answered, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. It's not by strength or by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord of armies. What, what, what the Lord is saying is, is that ultimately victory comes by the hand of God. So pray, so pray. Surprising truth number two, sometimes we need to quit work and just pray. Number three goes right along with what I said with number two. Prayer is a labor we work and not just words we uh, recite. You see Moses growing weary in the account. Moses is tired. And so uh, they put a, they help him, uh, they prop him up on a rock and then these two men hold up his arms. It's a picture of them helping him to pray. We'll learn more about that in just a moment. But the lesson I want you to see here is that prayer is, is hard work. And often prayer takes a long time. Now let that sink in a moment. Prayer is hard work and often it takes a long time. We need to be committed to it. We need to persist in our prayer. It gets surprising to us uh, largely because we think of prayer like ordering a pizza or ordering DoorDash. If some of you started doing that now that we're uh, all stuck in our homes. And so, you know, those companies make it so easy. You just pick up your phone and you just tell them what you want. And, and, and then just a few minutes it shows up or you just sort of key it in your smartphone now. And your smartphone will pay for it and give them the address and everything. And just, and just bang, 20 minutes, you've got hot food. Well, that may be how DoorDash works or Pizza Hut works, but prayer is something different. And we see here, Moses didn't just go up on the mountain and say, okay, uh, Aaron and her, let's hold hands and let's pray, Lord, give us victory in battle, amen. Now, let's go eat lunch. That's not what happened, right? Now, God could have responded to a prayer like that, but God wants us to have continual trust. And so the, the kind of prayer that God chose to work through was hard work. It was difficult. Moses uh, suffered as he prayed. It took a long time. It wasn't a two-minute prayer. It was an all-day prayer. Prayer is labor. We work, not just words we recite. Now, this doesn't mean you just need to sit down and pray and if you're finished in 60 seconds, you just need to say it over and over and over and, and just be artificial. Now you need to be genuine, but know if you're at the beginning of this process of learning how to pray, that if your prayers are short and easy and sweet, that there's more for you to learn. Press on, aspire to be a great prayer and you'll know the kind of prayer that Moses prayed. Number four, surprise number four, we need people to help us pray. So in the narrative, as we've already seen, Moses has these two men, Aaron and Hur, and they come alongside him and they hold his hands up. This is a picture of, of other people praying with him, praying, uh, uh, giving him strength as they join him in, in prayer. Now, why, why is it surprising to us that that for us to pray, oftentimes we need people to help us. Well, I, I think it's surprising because we generally think of prayer as a, as a solo sport. You know, it's just a one-person deal. And, and, and oftentimes prayer, maybe even most of the time, prayer is just one person, uh, head bowed, on his knees, whatever posture you, you, you'd like. 
uh, but it's just one person praying. But, but know this, there is a time when, when we must have people praying with us. We, we, we must have people who are agreeing with us in prayer. We must have other people who are holding us up so that when we're weak and, and, and when we don't pray as consistently and as passionately as we should, that other people are praying on our behalf. Moses would not have been successful in praying all day if he didn't have the help. And consequently, Joshua would not have been successful on the battlefield had Moses not had help. So that tells me that we should ask people to pray for us. We live in a a culture where everybody wants to just keep their problems to themselves. And and I don't have any problems and everything in my life is perfect and I don't don't need anybody to pray. And and we have that attitude that is an ungodly, unbiblical, unspiritual, unhelpful attitude. We need to let people join us in prayer. We need to have people who know what's going on in our lives who are praying for us so that God will respond to our prayer like he responded to the prayers of of Moses. If you have a need, you you should reach out to your church. We have people that come here every day to our prayer room and and they just go through lists and they they pray and God takes notice of that. That's an important thing. God honors that. If you let us know, I will pray for you. Our pastors, our ministers will, will pray for you. Let us know if there's something we can pray for. But more than the church, let your Sunday school class know. Everybody should be in a small group. Everybody should have a group of Christians that that really, really know what's what's going on in your life. And you should be sharing with them how they can best pray for you and and, and Christian friends. In fact, what is is the difference in a Christian friend and just a friend? we, We have Christian friendships and then we just have friendships. What's the difference? A Christian friendship is is one where you're praying for the other person. When you're sharing with the other person, hey, I'm struggling in my marriage. Or listen, I'm I'm struggling with anxiety. Or listen, I'm fearful about the future. A Christian friendship is one where you can and you do share those kinds of things. And the other person is faithful to pray for you. And you're faithful to pray for that person. So we need people to help us to pray. Moses could not, would not have prayed all day were it not for Aaron and her. And there, there is a commitment to prayer that you will never know until, you're, until you'll share the burden with other, with other people. And then surprise number five, those in the battle need to know of those on their knees. I think it's interesting here, at the end of the account we read, I was gonna start, stop reading in verse 13 when Joshua defeated the Amalekites, but but I wanted to continue on because I think verse 14 is important because here we see that Moses lets Joshua know, hey, I I was praying and that's why you won the battle. Moses builds an altar. Uh, He makes, he builds a monument to remind people of this. The only reason it's in our Bibles today is that, is that Moses told people. Now here's the lesson. We don't just need to be praying for people. We need to let people know that we're praying for them. Now, don't let them know if you're not. Don't say I'm praying for you if you're not, okay? Please, that's wrong and, and, and that's a whole other sermon, but it's, uh, it's dishonest, it, uh, it cheapens prayer, it cheapens friendship. But if we're praying for somebody, 
we should let them know. Moses let Joshua know that he had been praying. Now, why is that important? Well, we've said that God's purpose in everything is that God would be honored. Moses wanted Joshua to know that they were not victorious in the battle because of Joshua's military acumen. They they weren't successful in the battle because Joshua was really good with the sword. No, they were successful in the battle because God responded to the prayers of Moses. And so when you pray for somebody, you need to let them know, I'm praying for you. So when they experience the provision of God, when they have a solution, when they have peace or, or joy in the midst of difficulty, they need to know that the credit belongs to the Lord. Does that make sense? We, we, sh- we should pray for people, but we should let people know that we're praying for them. And then one final verse that just drives this truth home. 1 Samuel 12, 23. You've heard this, I'm, I'm sure, through the years so many times. As for me, I vow that I will not sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. It is a sin not to pray for the people around us. So if you're facing an obstacle, if you have a burden, a problem, pray. Not as a last resort, but a first resort. Pray. If you have a burden for somebody, uh, pray for them. Let them know. I'm praying for you. I'm, I'm, I'm holding my arms over you in a sense. I'm praying for you. If you, if you have a burden that's, that's serious and that's hard, this prolonged, ask somebody to pray for you. The reason the Israelites won the battle was because Moses was faithful to pray. And you know, there's one more thing. Just as we, as we close this up, I, I want you to see, of course, the focus is on prayer. We need to pray. Uh, but anytime you read a passage in the Old Testament, there. There there are three different ways you can uh, learn something, that you can understand the passage. One is just a historical perspective. And so we've seen this. I've talked a little bit about Moses and where he fit in history. And he was the one that led the people, Israelites, out of Egypt and toward the promised land. So all of that's historical. This this fight with the Amalekites, this actually happened. This isn't a fable. This isn't a, a parable or an allegory. This is real history. And so one of the ways we read and understand Scripture in the Old Testament is we're seeing real history. We're learning facts about history. Another way to understand this is just what we've done today. We've looked at this and we've drawn some, some spiritual and some ethical lessons from this. And we know that this is a proper way to read the Old Testament because there are even times in the New Testament where, 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 where the writers looked back. I think about the book of Galatians and the book of James and they, and they look back to some of these events in the Old Testament and they draw these spiritual and these ethical lessons. And so that's what we've done today. We've, we've looked at the story and we've drawn the lesson. We should pray. We should persist in prayer. We should help each other pray. We should let people know we pray. We've drawn those lessons. But there's a third way to understand, uh, to benefit from from these passages, and that is to see what they tell us of Jesus. You know, everything in the Old Testament, everything in the Bible ultimately is about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. We're here today because we worship Jesus. It, everything's about Jesus. How do, we, how do we see Jesus in this story? 
Well, I think, I think this is one of the most amazing stories with that respect. When I read this, I, I first of all, I see myself in Moses' place. And, and that's really how we've presented the message. I, I, I see myself up on the hill and I need to be praying. I need to be praying for my family. I need to be praying for my wife and my three girls. And I need to be praying for my church. And, and I often think about that. And I, I have your names, many of your names written down. And if I know of a prayer request, it's written down. I've got some of your pictures on a bulletin board. In fact, many of your pictures on a bulletin board in the back of my office. And, 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 and under there, I've, I've written what's wrong with you. No, no, I hadn't, hadn't really. But, I, but I've written your prayer request, you know, your need under there. And I look at that and I pray. And, and that's, that's me as the pastor. And, 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 and I'm not Moses, but I see myself in that position, just like you should see yourself in that position. And I'm Moses, I need to pray. You're Moses, you need to pray. But maybe the most accurate way to understand this I'm not the one on top of the mountain praying. I'm the one in the valley in the battle. And Jesus is the one who's praying for me. Listen, you will not win the battle. You will not win the battle with sin. You will not win the battle in your marriage. You will not win the battle in life apart from what Jesus has done. Apart from Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, Apart from Jesus' pleading on our behalf and interceding for us, praise the Lord for Jesus. And I need to remember when I'm in the battle, he's up on the mountain. When, I, when, I, when I'm struggling in the fight, he, he's got his arms lifted up over me. And, and, and here's the lesson. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you're not a child of God, you're just trying to figure out life best you can, and maybe you come to church or you listen or watch a sermon because you're just looking for a little bit of help to, so, so, so that you can squeak out a few more victories, I'm telling you that apart from, from what Jesus does for you, you will fail. Apart from the work of Jesus, you will not succeed. You need to turn to Christ and say, I'm hopeless, I can't do this alone. There's nothing I can contribute ultimately to my success. The Amalekites are too strong and too powerful, but I need Jesus. Jesus died to pay the penalty for my sins. If I'll trust that, then Jesus will be my Moses. Jesus will be the one on the mountain who will, who will ensure my, my successful arrival in eternity. I need to turn to Jesus. And for those of us who know Christ is our Savior, when we struggle in life, when we go through hardships, we need to remember that it's Jesus who's up on the mountain and that Jesus cares and Jesus is committed and he sits at the right hand of the Father to intercede for us. Jesus is the one who stands over us and we should worship and thank him, glorify him for his love that he has in that respect. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father in heaven, Thank you that you listen to our prayers. It's hard to imagine, hard to understand. Who am I? How important are my problems, challenges, questions, requests? But that's just how much you love us. I'm amazed at that. So help me be a prayer first kind of person. I know there have been whole stretches in my life when I've been a prayer as a last resort person but I serve too great a God to be like that. You love me too much for me to be like that. Help me to be prayer first. And we pray this in Christ's name, amen. Let's, let's stand and sing.